Jean! No! An X-Men The Animated Series Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Jean! No! The X-Men The Animated Series Podcast. My name is Sarah Musak and I'm your first co-host. I'm Drew Kunis, assisting as co-host. And I am an alternate timeline Michael Short, <laughs> assisting as the third co-host. Of course you are. Oh man, we were just talking before we started this episode how there is so much going on in this episode and the next one. And I feel bad for everyone because all I'm going to talk about this episode is how much it's like Age of the Apocalypse, but isn't the Age of Apocalypse storyline, which was one of the formative storylines of my early comics reading years. So we're in for a treat here today, folks. That's right. It edges right up to the line of almost being Age of the Apocalypse, just sort of sort of edges you right there and then just cuts you off. Yep, and then not at all, and Apocalypse <laughs> doesn't feature in either of the two episodes, so it, it like can't be. It can't what, be. What reminded you of, about Age of Apocalypse? So the story of Age of Apocalypse is um, Legion, who is Professor X's uh, mentally ill son, goes back in time to try and... Uh, kill Magneto uh, in an effort to make his father's dream succeed. He accidentally kills his father instead. The result is the Age of Apocalypse, where Apocalypse is in charge of this dystopian future and Magneto leads the resistance. And we see a lot of that at play when we're in in the kind of one of our present day alternate timelines but they actually just straight up steal the costumes uh, throughout and so like there are very specific character designs from age of apocalypse that some of which were used and we'll uh anyway we'll get into that yeah very Shall cool. We? All right, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. Long time with that, and I'm looking forward to getting through it. Yeah, this is a, this is like nightmare. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Oh my god! I I just before we really dive in, like two minutes into this episode, my 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 first thought was like, oh no, is this going to be two episodes about how important Charles Xavier is? Because he would love that. <laughs> that would be his favorite subject. The the title of the episode, right, is One Man's Worth. And I think the implication is that it's Charles Xavier, but right? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, no, yeah not, no one else, <laughs> just Charles Xavier, yep. that Perfect. narcissist. In, in some, you know, this might not be as, maybe, yeah. So uh, this whole episode series is about um, a world with and without Charles Xavier. I think that's not spoiling a crazy amount if I say that, right? No, it isn't. Okay. So... Um, <laughs> uh and it I, I yeah i guess i'm kind of wondering if at some point if this is why charles xavier has such a huge sense of self-worth he's like the world gets terrible without me like it literally does i have definitive proof actually that does make sense because he actually seems like kind of okay like he's annoying as a young person but he's not kind of the ugh person that we've come to know and love question mark so i think you may be onto something drew oh wow yeah you know you know if it's justified it's justified like what are you gonna do yeah there you go there you go anyway scene one bard college night may 11th 1959 we see uh our friend bishop time traveler from a dystopian future fighting nimrod who is kind of the nightmare future sentinel um alongside a very uh black ops 
uh, dressed Wolverine and Storm in her 1980s garb with the like the leather and the mohawk and uh, Nimrod explodes and is defeated. So things things look good. We go inside a nearby building where a young Charles Xavier still bald. But I how did they like make him more youthful, Michael, like animation wise? Did they did they like make his eyebrows a little different? I don't think, I think it's just by virtue of him walking. You're like, oh, I guess this is this is early young okay. Xavier. <laughs> Smiling, like hopefully about the future. <laughs> I thought it was weird because, so young Xavier is watching, especially now all we know about what led up to him watching. He says, I can't master anything like that. And I thought at first that he should be yeah. like, look at those people outside fighting. Uh, but instead he made it about himself, with me, which maybe isn't surprising he opens a door which triggers some sort of bomb that wolverine can hear with his animal hearing and bishop yells no <laughs> yeah. yeah what he says is electrical fuse and i didn't know how he heard but i was very confused <laughs> yeah there was something it was one of those moments i feel like in x-men the animated series where they, they like just make a shortcut in the in the narration where you're just like fine all right i guess wolverine yeah. can hear that i don't even know sure. what electric fuse means but okay you can hear into the electro fuse spectrum. I can smell them. Yeah, that seems right. That seems right. Uh, then there's a transition to a screen that says "Warning: Time travel rift detected. Temporal changes imminent." <laughs> oh, okay. Sure. I, I, love, I love the software developer who's like, "All right, catch this exception." I got a helpful message. <laughs> And it's just super weird. Nobody saw, but Michael's eyes just like rolled as far back into his skull as he as they could at like that warning. It just begs the question: like, how how do you even <laughs> tell that that's happening? Like, wouldn't the changes be instantaneous? The universe you live in it would cease to exist immediately. There'd be no chance for the computer to be like, "Hey, look out!" <laughs> Well, what's interesting about that, because that actually comes up in the second episode as well, and it does seem to be like some sort of wave. It's it's weird, right? Because it should do yeah. exactly what I you're saying, Michael. It should. Methods and the one that you're talking about, the wave. Yeah. yeah. Just, if you want to describe it, it's pretty cool. It, no, it is. I, Drew, you may have more than I do. Just that like there is a sense of it's coming. And for some reason, there is time between an occurrence and then a change yeah. in the timeline further down the line. Yeah. Yeah. People are in a hurry in different timelines. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> very confusing it is it is so this warning is on forge's computer in 2055 bishop's future an alarm goes off and bishop is there right he's in the past but he's in like the far past but he's also in 2055 with his sister shard who i love uh in uh the comics shard was dead by the time bishop showed up although she uh comes back into the present time as like a hologram it's a thing anyway i'm glad that we have bishop and shard in their xse xavier your security enforcers uniforms uh, and they're ready to go back in time to start other time travelers from changing time forever and I just wrote which seems to be mostly what these episodes are about we have to go back in time to stop someone from changing time forever that's really okay got it yeah um, I thought that it was really interesting that in the future everyone has scars over their right eye oh that's a thing yeah they get branded they get tattooed um, oh. M for mutant in the camps. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a fashion statement or like not like it's not like everyone just happened to be in the same motorcycle accident. It was yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. It was a very very deliberate thing that like this is your brand. Oh, okay, okay. I see, I see. That's a very that's kind of a stylish brand. I know, they, they did they did luck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are an oppressed people, but we're still gonna, you know, make you look good. You're yeah. still gonna look cool. <laughs> Why do you look scary, not dorky? <laughs> like scary and cool we like that <laughs> so sandwiched between 1959 and 2055 is the present day which is sometime in the 90s here comes storm flying looking great super buxom in her pink tank top she flies yeah. through a group of butterflies i looked up that is called a kaleidoscope of butterflies and uh one lands on her finger she uh says beautiful and then wolverine starts flirting with her from where he's mm. sitting in a yeah. tree eating an apple he says who me and she says i meant the butterfly but i suppose you too are beautiful in your own unusual way <laughs> that's <laughs> foreshadowing yeah do you know why the butterfly was there? I do because of the butterfly effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just got that, and I wasn't sure. Was that obvious to everyone? Not until you said it, but it you know, sense. you know, yeah, not until you said it. Yeah, I, I, I am a genius. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I, I, I hope. I hope that somewhere there's a writer of this episode or like an animator being like, no, I just thought it'd be cool to draw some butterflies. I just. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> I'm a genius now. That's what I think. <laughs> it reminds me of that um, that meme, right? Of like the guy in the anime who's like, there's a butterfly at his finger and he's like, is this politics? Is this feelings? It was, right. it was like that. It was like that. Yeah. And just as a, as a little asterisk uh, note, uh, Storm and Wolverine definitely have a sexual relationships later in the comics. And one of my favorite moments is actually when like Wolverine is basically like, we have time um, like to bang. And he's like, I'll skip the foreplay. And Storm is like, you will not. But that's actually a scene that was written in the comics. And I'm glad it exists. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah, it's really funny. So they're sitting in this field, right? And then Xavier comes out and he's wearing like a t-shirt and he's like, I brought a blanket. I thought it was sweet that he brought a blanket because he'll never sit on that blanket. He's in his room. <laughs> that was really thoughtful of him. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I actually, no, never mind. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, what well, was... were you thinking, Drew? Uh, does he poop in the wheelchair? Oh God! <laughs> I'd be some, here's what. Here's my guess. My guess is that it has an apparatus. Should he need to? But I'm guessing he would prefer not to. Okay, interesting. It's, although my okay, so Michael is is Annie potty trained? Yes, yeah, she's for for a year at this point. Now, Good for her. The, yeah. Here's the here's the reason I ask is my friend's little girl when she was she had been potty trained, but like she still did it like where her parents could like watch her. She had like the little potty and you know the door was open or whatever. And I remember mm -hmm. visiting them and she just went to potty and she pulled down her pants and she sits on her little toilet and she starts peeing and you can hear it and she just makes direct eye contact with me and like grins <laughs> and <laughs> it was so uncomfortable and i wonder if professor xavier does that like i'm doing it right now but like well, nobody yeah. knows <laughs> well i mean the, the reason a kid does that is because when they're they've just gone through the whole training and they've gotten all this praise to be doing it 
you know so they're like i'm doing something great check me out you know and so an adult at that point is like (laughs) you know doesn't really need that kind of positive reinforcement i I doubt that professor x i don't know this is a a weird rabbit hole i was not prepared to go down sorry michael not sorry let's move on there yeah drew go ahead no that's fine no um i just had an anecdote about president lyndon johnson he would uh, hold pe- he would call people into meetings while he was on the toilet as a power play. Ah, oh, smart man. Then I think that definitely would be a thing Professor X would do. Yep. That's yeah. definitely a Professor X move right there. Yep. Which then reminds me, speaking of like power plays that like at Versailles, like Louis, the whatever number he was, like, yeah. like the court, like the court was allowed in to like watch him wake up. Like you could like mm-hmm. get a seat like in the room while he was sleeping to be present, like when he awakened. Oh man, yeah. humans do weird things. <sighs> anyway they're having a picnic and there's this like basically this huge red flash of light over Mm -hmm. the horizon and thank god professor's wheelchair sensor knows what's up oh my god you're like your eyes are gonna roll out of your head michael it says temporal disturbance and i'm sure it's just part of cerebro right because we learned from previous uh episodes of x-men the anime series that cerebro can really know anything the X-Men needs okay. to I was like, who thought to program that into the hover chair? Like, who thought, <laughs> this is going to be a thing. He's going to encounter a lot. He's going to need to know this. Well, the thing I'm curious about is, like, with what data did you program it? I guess maybe from, like, the previous time disturbances we've observed. But, like, that's a really limited data set. The I, only I really, I really like the idea that some programmer is like, all right, if I if t- in my data table there are timestamps out of order, Instead of, (laughs) my assumption will be not that I made a data, like there's a data flow problem, but that it's a (laughs) This is the only reason why my sensors are coming in out of order. Of course, of course. Uh, Wolverine and Storm grab each other. Professor X is dragged off by the time vortex. And like, did you guys notice that no one grabbed the guy in the wheelchair? Like they grabbed each other. Another wheelchair person? No, no, no. (laughs) Sorry, I used the guy in the wheelchair loosely for only... (laughs) Sorry. Um, And like, but nobody anchored him. They were like grabbed each other, and he just blew away. And like, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Drew, Drew, not noticing the other guy in the wheelchair explains why no one grabbed the guy in the wheelchair because they didn't know he was even there. It's just, you know, they're Um, invisible. They're invisible (laughs) to able-bodied people. Is just basically what it is. Mm-hmm. The X Men are ableists, is what yeah. I'm saying. None of us have addressed our fourth co-host in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're there. Which reminds me, so there actually is an X Man right now called Forget Me Not, and whose power it is to make people forget he exists. So literally, oh, wow. everybody's like, when they encounter him, they're like, "Who are you? Like, where'd you come from?" And then they forget immediately. It's like they're all goldfish in response to him it's kind of a bummer because like in one involuntary yes yeah yeah and he falls in love once and then he keeps having it's kind of a 51st states thing anyway uh yeah uh meanwhile in an alternate present day the stubbly black ops wolverine who we saw in the first scene in the mohawk storm um are just like well what was that <laughs> and so um, they yeah. went from hugging on a blanket to being in this dystopian alternate present day. 
So to describe this this time, there I think there were three in this, right? To describe time travel mechanic number one, mm. it's like localized at a point, and then a big like fuchsia orb kind of comes out from mm-hmm. that point, and then it like things flash and get kind of weird. Like they flash fuchsia, they flash white, they flash a few times, right? And then like it seems like the all of the um what what's the word I'm looking for? Like all the buildings nearby, mm-hmm. like the built environment, mostly stay stationary. Right, mm-hmm. Wolverine and Storm, they are now they're also hugging each other in mm-hmm. in like the alternate version of the same year they're in, but yes. now they're they shave different parts of their body and <laughs> have their sleeves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you you got it. Uh, we find out that they're resistance fighters because, of course, um, they, um, they're they fighting humans, we find out. Storm says the human's aim is improving. Uh, there's a big, like, neon green robot who looks a lot like the old Iron Man armor, I thought. I thought, but it, was, I thought it was Iron Man and I was colorblind. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm red-green insensitive. Yeah, I do, and... I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was it was not actually Iron Man. Beast shows up to help. He looks almost like a cyborg. Uh, Wolverine is not impressed with him and says, what are you doing here, McCoy? Milk and cookies run out in the officer's tent, which I yeah. thought was real bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he's here to help. He's half man. He's half beast. He's half machine. Like he, he came out of the officer's tent. Uh, but do you notice that he had like, he had like um Wolverine claws. Yes, he did. He had one set of Wolverine type claws on one hand. Yeah, just to fuck with Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think pretty much, pretty much. And he brings bad news, which is that the humans have sent in another wave of land crabs. And I just wrote land <laughs> crabs exclamation point. I cracked <laughs> up when I heard that because like nothing would frighten me less. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, some crabs okay yeah i mean the land crabs are just crabs right it's just it's just crabs yeah they're they're like tanks but instead of um i was about to say wheels instead of whatever tanks have instead of wheels they have crab legs yeah Yeah, pretty basically yeah pretty much uh but then we see all these other uh resistance mutant fighters which is just a We'll put mutants. We'll put mutants though in scare quotes because Mister Sinister was in there and Mimic was in there, Mm -hmm. and they are famously not mutants. I think Sinister is considered a mutant these days. Oh, he's finally they turn him. They retconned him. They retconned him then because he was not a mutant mutant. for the longest time. I thought Mimic was a mutant. What is is Mimic an android? No, no, he's a he's a mutate. His father experimented on him. If I'm remembering my again, they could have retconned it the last time I checked. So. Get in the comments, correct me. So the major categories of people are, there are humans who are muggles, right? Right, we've got muggles. (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. And then there are mutants. Mm -hmm. And then there are mutates, you said, which is... Okay. The uh, result of like genetic experimentation. Like the, I think the difference is like mutants have a X gene that's like activated when they're teenagers just organically. Um, and then I guess the mutate umbrella is like folks who have been experimented on. Is that right? Mutate just is anyone who's, whose genetic code has changed like after they were born, basically like Spider-Man is oh, technically a mutate, you know? Got oh, it. Interesting. Okay. And then uh, I think the next line that gets said here is, Looks like, uh, like B says, looks like the army has sent more superhumans. Is that mm-hmm. like a, and then there are some superhumans that are fighting the X-Men. Is that a fourth 
category or like what so what are they is that about yeah so the humor superhumans are if you looked closely uh they looked remarkably like the original avengers in mm-hmm. slightly different costumes they basically were the original avengers there's yeah and according to the fandom according to the fandom uh let me see if i can find it like so uh, a, a scarlet spider was apparently in there yeah scarlet um, spider was in there uh so that's ben riley which mm-hmm. again questions like how is the timeline work here because that means at some point the jackal cloned spider-man and then everything went to hell so yep. <laughs> like yeah uh uh, Black Widow was in there, yeah, uh, Goliath and Wasp, of course, mm-hmm. and Hercules. Oh, I wondered who that was. That was the one I didn't recognize. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we've got, we've got, we have Mimic, who we mentioned. He was the guy with wings and bare feet and the Cyclops visor. He uh, actually has oh. the powers of all of the original X-Men. We've also oh, got goodbye. Magneto, who's the leader. We see that he's... Um, he looks mostly like himself, but he has kind of those long braids with the beads, which is his in the big studded collar. The big studded collar we see uh, throughout this mm-hmm. um, as a fashion choice that is very much the Age of Apocalypse design. We see Sabretooth uh, when he's a good guy and his sort of sidekick wild child, who in our reality is like, uh, I think, Kyle... I was going to say Kyle Rayner, but that's a Green Lantern. It's Kyle something. Um, and he a, like has a brain uh, in our reality, but in Age of Apocalypse, in this reality, he's sort of like a dog that Sabretooth keeps. They go into battle together. We've got Age of Apocalypse, Colossus with the bandana with the eyes cut out. We've got Sunfire who just looks like like fire. And um, yeah, it was it was real fun, I thought, as somebody who knows those costumes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, so there's like a, an ongoing battle happening, and it's awesome. Like, it was so cool seeing all these characters are flying around. I didn't recognize all of them, but they all were animated uniquely. I, I did seem like uh, maybe not a majority, but a plurality, I'll say, had a power that was shooting a colored beam out of one hand. Maybe yep. both. That, that yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because you're right. So we had Sinister, we had Gambit. Gambit sort of looked like himself. But we also had straight from the Age of Apocalypse. So in Age of Apocalypse, Apocalypse is the head and his four horsemen are his son, Holocaust, who is in this as in the Resistance. Dark Beast, um, which is uh, like a beast gone terribly wrong. Um, Sinister. Wait, wait, sorry. Can you zoom in on that for a second? Isn't like he's not obnoxious? (laughs) <laughs> he is, but he like he's basically like a like um you he is a geneticist with no moral compass. Like it's almost like the the genius of Beast with who's also a sadist and kind of like that caricature of like Nazi um biologists and doctors. I would got say. it. Now is is this something that Beast invented so that people would like him more? <laughs> I mean, fair question, right? I noticed, like, in the picnic, like, when uh, they're, like, sh- sh- uh, Wolverine and Storm are sharing apples, the Storm's like, I will avoid the Garden of Eden illusion that Beast would make. And it's like, yeah! oh, man. Even they're like, ugh. Oh, speaking of Wolverine and Storm, we see they have wedding rings. What? Yeah. Before they introduce it, it's like, oh yeah, that sexual tension that you noticed earlier, that was not an error. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, did you notice that uh or I did you notice that Storm's ring didn't have a diamond? Very modern. 
very modern. I mean, they were just wedding bands, right? And I, I think because like they're like living in a dystopia. I don't know, maybe. I mean, somebody should have been able to make a diamond, right? <laughs> there must be a mutant out there who has diamond making powers. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, also, yeah, like no, the, the wedding band is usually just a, a band. It's the engagement ring that has the mm-hmm. diamond in it, generally speaking. Oh, yeah. Or, or a gemstone, at least. Okay. True. Okay. Yeah. Quick quick reflection on Age of Apocalypse relationships. Sadly, Storm and Wolverine did not end up together there. Jean Grey and Wolverine ended up together there. And Storm and Quicksilver ended up together. Strange, oh. strange worlds. Anyway, Storm gets blasted out of the sky. Wolverine carries her to, like, the, the med tent. And sitting outside the med tent, you might have noticed that there was, like, a gray, bald dude in, like, a magenta blue and yellow costume, super foregrounded. And that is Morph. Uh, so Morph in Age of Apocalypse is absolutely nuts. He doesn't look like a, like a human anymore. He's sort of a like a sock puppet of a person. And he turns into other people all the time for funsies just the illusion guy yeah oh now you the uh uh the shapeshifter oh okay yeah you don't see you don't see morph really morph very much in this episode the illusion guy that's mastermind the one that makes the yeah he's here he makes the door disappear which then uh, from what i understand mastermind's illusions are just illusions like they're not physical so like when he makes the door disappear makes like the trench disappear like the robot then steps on it and then like keeps mm-hmm. going it's like no that robot would still fall because the hole is still there yeah. that bugged me that bugged me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's fair yeah. i mean i think that's fair that is a little bit of a plot hole <laughs> yeah. it was a hole um, i also thought it was weird that in this med tent that we're now in right um yeah. like everyone has like cool superhero names that still mostly carry through right and then someone go and there's like a nurse that's walking around but she looks like some sort of like futuristic it looks like nursing has her power and then someone yeah. goes nurse we need help and then she comes over there and it's confirmed that that is in fact her superpower <laughs> I was thought, I thought it was Jean Grey. Was it not Jean Grey? Was it somebody oh, was else? Was it Jean Grey? She is listed as being in the episode, but I'm not sure. It could have been her. It could have been Copycat. I'm not sure. Why doesn't Jean Grey have a, like a super name? She well, she doesn't in the animated series. I couldn't profess to know why, because she was originally Marvel Girl, and then she was Phoenix, right. and then she she was Jean Grey for a while, right? And then yeah. she was Phoenix again, and then she was like Marvel Girl again. Who's t- who's to say? <laughs> okay. You know what? You know, it's probably one of those things where it's just like she kept changing her superhero name so much. Everyone's just like, "What is it this week?" Jean. We don't care. It's just Jean Grey. Yeah. You're just that's what it is. We're not going to go. We're not going to keep changing. But then again, I say that. But then there's like a lot of other superheroes like Kitty Pride who have definitely had way more aliases than Jean Grey uh-huh. have. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe just people have short fuse. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Wolverine demands to see Doctor Summers. See, that also made me think it was Jean Grey. Because in an alternate reality, if Scott Summers is a doctor, who's going to be the nurse? Jean Grey, a hundred percent. Oh my god! Oh, is a medical doctor? Well, I guess I. I don't know. I mean, in this reality, is there even a medical school? Who's to say? <laughs> oh my god! I know. Uh, we also see it get some other mutant Easter eggs in the uh, med tent. We get Caliban and Callisto, Callisto from the Morlocks. We get Pyro and Blob um, and Master Mask from the oh, Morlocks. And mask. Yes, thank you. And Mask. Anyway, Who's good stuff. Like a pink robe with a hood that, on it. 
That was Mask, yeah. Yeah. Mask? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was like attending to someone in bed, and I was like, you're not helping. Uh, yeah, so anyway, in a flash of light, who arrives but Bishop and Shard? Bishop is overdramatic as usual. We're too late. While we were traveling, Fitzroy and Nimrod already nailed Xavier and changed everything. Um, and then he's like, there won't be any X-Men to help. Uh, Shard suggests going back to 1959 to avert the assassination. Um, but hey, there are X-Men. And I really love when Wolverine calls Bishop roadkill. Because I think that's that's what one would expect. It's sort of a good sign. <laughs> ah, yeah that's that's a great way to start a relationship absolutely um I, I, I do think it's weird that they're in a rush here because they clearly have time travel power right and they're like oh crap we came here what, what was their original purpose of going to this time for like to get mm. help or something right. yeah is that right yeah, yeah. okay they, like wanted help to prevent an assassination they thought the x-men could help them but then when they got back it seems like the it seems like the time change it starts in 1959, maybe at a particular location, and then it like it Bard lo- Bard College, then it spreads outward both through time and space. And so, like the mm-hmm. present, like the 90s was already changed, and they wanted to fix it before it went to 2055. Yes. That's um. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think you summarized that quite accurately. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't grok that when I was like six or seven and watching it, and I didn't grok it when the first time I was watching the episode either. It's quite complicated. Uh, I haven't thought about cracking in so long. That makes me happy. Uh, yeah. Um, so so um, Shard tells them they've traveled from the future to save Storm and Wolverine's time in their own. Frenzy runs by. Frenzy is one of the acolytes. That's fun. Wolverine is like, look at this world. How are you going to save it? And Bishop says, with your help, we're going to save the life of Charles Xavier. And they're like, who is Charles Xavier? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Shard uses her wrist hologram projector to show them a picture of Xavier. Like, it's this guy. It's this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> oh, the other day someone was talking about, like, I, I was getting to know someone new and they asked, uh, they said, they asked, like, do you have any family? And they were like, yeah, I have a brother. And then I just went, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my brother i don't know what to tell you (laughs) Um, so we yeah we go into like a long sequence where we're looking into the this wristband thing which this is a wristband of time travel and explanations about time travel so it has a hologram built into it to show a a very very nicely made summary of what happened yeah, a really nice like summary reel. Uh, so good job, whoever that editor was. And then we hear the line we hear throughout both these episodes. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that Wolverine says, this is nuts. <laughs> but Storm yeah. believes them. She says, I believe them, Logan, if it will end this perpetual war. And Wolverine says, of course, if we save this Xavier clown. And then uh, he goes further and says, we'll end up working together, but not being together, which is sad because they love Why does he think that? I guess because she showed the footage of them and they were different, but Bishop confirms it. So even if he was just, it was just a shot in the dark, Bishop goes, sorry, pal, but you're right about that, which I think is maybe (laughs) not the best way to get them on board. But I think that Bishop might just be honest to a fault. That's, oh my God. That's so funny. Um, 
Wait, he... Okay, so it it seems like they're wanting to get a team together to go back or something, right? And yes, they end up they end up with just Wolverine and Storm, right? If yes. you had to pick a dream team of two people to go back and complete <laughs> this mission of like saving Doctor Xavier from uh, an explosion, who would you pick? Honestly, I might pick that morph that morph because he's nuts. Like he's a good <laughs> one to have on board. And then I know I might still pick Wolverine a- and you and me. Yeah. Well, no, no. And I'm asking <laughs> yes, and that's you. true. You're on the dream oh, team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sure. I'll change my hypothetical. You have three. We'll all go together. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that you guys know a lot more mutant names than I do. Um, so I, you have a bigger catalog to choose from. Uh, Michael, who do, do you have any thoughts? I mean, that's, that, that's a, that is a great question. I mean, obviously Wolverine is, you know, top notch for any kind of stealth mission, right? Any kind of black op stuff. He's going to, he's going to really uh, uh, bring it in there. Storm, Storm definitely is, is great for like, you know, uh, you know, Omega level, you know, if, if there's something huge, oh. you know, uh, a, a planetary threat size threat, you know, Storm's going to be great for that. So I, I kind of see the thought process there. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, and then based on who else we have available to us, you know, maybe Sunfire, yeah, right? Sunfire. If he's hanging around. Honestly, I though, would... you know what? That it, Why is there a limit on only two, right? It's like they only had two transponders, I guess. Because uh, it's I like, guess. if I just zapped myself into the middle of the mutant army, I'd be like, everyone. Let's go. Come let's, on. Come on. let's stop an assassination. Yeah. They've, they've only sent one robot and two weirdos. Let's go do it, you know? Yeah. Which, interestingly, not to just keep reading a, a dead Age of Apocalypse horse, but that is what happens in Age of Apocalypse. So um, in in that, uh, Bishop wakes up in the dystopian now, um, and he's the only one who remembers, and he convinces everyone that they basically need to to sacrifice themselves to get back in time to save Charles Xavier to prevent the future from happening. So I think logically you're 100% on something. I'd also like to revise my thought that when you, Michael, when you said Omega level, I was like, oh, I would put Wolverine in an Omega level telepath. That's what I would choose. Mm. I might choose a Jean mm. Grey. Okay, so you have someone that's like, because we know that the way that Xavier was killed wasn't so big that it like, changed the built environment. It didn't like destroy earth or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Wolverine who's kind of stealthy would get in and then a telepath to handle long range, long range communication or like not only long range communication, but I think to as a weapon against like those who you can't necessarily fight. Right. Just to like, you can deal with large numbers of people with an Omega level telepath. Got it. So you've one physical one, one person a people yeah, person psionic yeah a people yeah. person just with high charisma everyone just calm down i'm here to save the future my boyfriend and i alternate who has to be the people person at different times and like who has to be the hmm. physical person so basically like whenever he picks up a suitcase i'm like all right i'll deal with the next person in travel and i'll deal with them nicely and efficiently right and then like so if i'm feeling grumpy i'll pick up a suitcase and be like you have to do it <laughs> <laughs> I That's love a good that. system. 
share yeah. the division of labor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is things get like double exposition here. Cause what they did with this, this set of episodes is they actually kind of fused two stories. Um, one of which was age of apocalypse. The other was Bishop's arrival in our timeline. Um, we saw a version of that in like season one, I think of X-Men, the animated series, but this, uh, this w- thing with Fitzroy and Nimrod is much closer to the reasons Bishop, um, came into the timeline as a character uh, in the in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, yeah, so we see a little bit of that. We see his buddies, Malcolm and Randall, very briefly, who die, and then he's filled with guilt. Um, we find about out about the mutant traitor Fitzroy, who is kind of Bishop's nemesis, also from his time. And we find out that Fitzroy is Master Mold's prisoner, along with his sidekick, Bantam. I had forgotten about Bantam, who clearly has some sort of, like, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, Bantam is like, you know, like LeFou from Beauty and the Beast, who's yes. like, like with Gaston, right? He's he's like a that kind of character. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, so Master Mold is sending, we, we find out kind of what's behind the assassination, which is that Master Mold is sending Fitzroy back in time with Nimrod as like a chaperone to eliminate yeah. Charles Xavier. Um, and Fitzroy says, you know what I need? Master Mold gives him a guy to drain the life force out of. And he's like, he'll be fine in a few days. For the record, in the comics, you are not fine in a few days. You are real dead if Fitzroy does that. Uh, so obviously- oh you know yeah they made it a little nicer it it seems like fitzroy's power is that he can like drain life force from someone and then use it to time travel is that right yeah and he can also use it as like energy blasts i think he can dispel it in a couple of everyone can shoot things out of their hands that's dime a dozen (laughs) i can you can we all can yep yep Did you notice that, like, so Fitzroy drained the guy. He said, he'll be fine in a few days. Did you notice that Mastermind then responded with whatever? That was my favorite line. (laughs) Favorite line of of the episode. Whatever. (laughs) So Fitzroy uses the energy to open up time. Bantam says, gently, Master, I bruise easily. (laughs) <laughs> he like goes through um yeah uh bishop and shard give storm and wolverine their time bands they all run through a glowing hole together as well and they're all back at bard college where professor x is walking with his friends yeah no okay i have a question yeah i have several questions actually um yeah. did you expect professor x to go to bard college i didn't <laughs> <laughs> at all they're just like I, I i feel like i would have expected him to either go to like like MIT or like a fictional college, you know, mm. or like you know what I mean. I, I don't know. He seems like an Ivy Leaguer. I would have put him at Harvard. Yeah, or like Yale. I don't and know. If my not, it's like Yale. you're taking the SAT in a room full of other people, and one of them is going to get a better score than you. Just read their mind. Or actually, like I could see him as like an exchange student at like Oxford or Cambridge as well. Like, oh yeah, or like what's what's the one in France, the Sorbonne. Sorbonne. Um, yeah, which, I, which I've heard, by the way, is like fancy sounding, but it's actually like not very rigorous. Oh, just good to, to know. casually shit on the surface. <laughs> <laughs> so we, Professor X, is walking with Professor Gray, presumably supposed to be Jean Gray's dad, and Cindy, uh, who will come back later. Cindy wears the sweet, sweet '90s sweater. They're debating about mutation. Professor X, oh, sorry, just Charles Xavier, yep. uh, protests that he just wants to be a simple family doctor. Uh, yeah. All right. 
Yeah, I don't believe him. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. Like, I'm like, no. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if he has like the personality for it. Like, it seems like he, he likes leading people. He knows he can read people's minds at this point, right? Like, what's he going to read? Be like, oh, great. Now I don't have to take a patient history. Like, I know that you're not lying about having a fever. Like, or like that seems like a bad... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it doesn't quite fit in, but I think it does do the the narrative work of like he did. He wasn't going to become Professor X. He was just going to be a guy who still wanted to help people, right? But right. maybe not help the world. Okay. I love that Bishop appears in a flash and just says, "You're wrong, Charles. Single generation <laughs> mutations are possible." <laughs> Oh, wait. And so Bishop, he comes out, he's wearing like a few, he's wearing like an X-Men style uniform, but it's futuristic. So it's even more futuristic. Right. And yeah. he's like a seven foot tall, incredibly broad man. And that is the way he opens. He's like, you're wrong. Terrifying. <laughs> that whole thing just like if three or four crust punks just showed up and accosted me on the street and told me time travel is possible and I'm a mutant and I need to stay alive. I'd be like, yeah, okay, man. <laughs> Here's a dollar. Uh, you know, sorry. <laughs> like, like just these these crusty people just showed up. Like they they they're all war torn. They they probably none of them have probably had like a hot shower in who knows how long, mm. right? Mm-hmm. These are not like people that if you walk down the street, you saw someone like in some weird clothes. You'd be like, whoa, mm, I'm gonna cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that would scare me is Bishop is so jacked. Like, he's yeah. such an yeah. enormous and clearly, like, dangerous-looking person that it's like, oh. Um, but anyway, uh, he smart, does yeah. he does make Charles uncomfortable. I don't know if you noticed that he put his hand on Charles Xavier's shoulder, and Charles Xavier looks at it like, uh-oh. Like, this, yeah. isn't, this isn't cool. But anyway, it's cool enough that they all go to a beatnik coffee house together. Oh, God. To hang out. Uh, Shard thinks they're hippies, but Bishop knows a little more. He says, hippies can't... He says, hippies came later, man. Which I thought was, like, him trying to be, like, colloquial, but he says man a lot in these episodes, so I guess that's just his thing. Uh, we've got a proprietor who is not happy. And did you notice that, like, Shard is doing her exposition with her hologram projection and no one notices. Just casually, just casually showing a hologram in the middle of a coffee house. Yeah. Just... Oh, is that her power? I thought it was hand beams. No, she has she has some other power, but like she oh. had a hologram emitter with her, but just showing it off. Just Yeah. Like is the 19 like I don't know, it'd be like it'd be like yeah, if any of us went back 50 years, right? With like an iPhone, people might be like, "Huh, hmm, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting." I mean, it's... if someone came today with a hologram emitter, I'd be like, "That's well, pretty interesting." Yeah. yeah. And then, so Charles Xavier says, "I can't believe it," right? Because because <laughs> that's what he does. And Shard's like, "Read our minds. You'll see we're telling the truth." No, no. Shard goes, "Read Bishop's mind." <laughs> like she doesn't volunteer herself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shouldn't. Shouldn't I have some saying who searches my mind, Shard? <laughs> no, no, no. Search, search, search Bishop's it's mind. It's fine. It'll be fine. Be fine. Did you notice that Professor X, though, said, I don't like to use my powers, but if you insist. And I was like, that's not true at all. Like, you like using your powers. Like, you like getting in there. You know, <laughs> it's, it is exactly that. It's just like, oh, oh, 
Oh, but I couldn't. Oh, another slice of cake. Oh, I don't want another. I oh, couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, stop pressuring me. Like, oh yeah, like, like, like the the um, like self centered actor who's like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't sing a song. I, oh my god, it's so embarrassing. Just yeah. Just stop. Do just stop. Don't stop. Uh, is there anything where you're just like, you will protest exactly one time, but then you will do it and love it. <laughs> um, honestly, it's probably stuff like this where it's like, yeah. Sarah, tell like, them what you know about the X-Men. It's like, you know, no one wants to hear that. And then it's <laughs> like, and then they're like, no, no. I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. do, do you have anything like that, Drew? I, I don't want to tell you. No, I, I couldn't possibly tell you. <laughs> I think your thing is sharing personal details about yourself. Any personal details? No, I couldn't tell you. Okay, here's one. <laughs> I'm really a very private person also. Very private, very private. Oh, Michael, man. do you have one oh, of man. those things? Uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm just like, eh, no protesting. I'll just do it. <laughs> there you I go. know who I am. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> Anyway, so right, so they're they're doing that thing. Uh, the proprietor comes over pissed off, oh, uh, but not at the mutants, at Storm and Bishop. And Storm says, "Skin color prejudice? That's so pathetic. It's almost quaint." <laughs> and it was like, "I'm really glad that in the post-apocalypse, at least, that we've eradicated <laughs> racism." Um, and also, the '90s were so hopeful. Everybody, yeah. Yeah. I also never would have pegged a coffee house barista as being like the most intolerant person. Like I never. Also, like the yeah. B makes, I think were like oh well because they were the counterculture. Yeah. Like I feel like like they were like the the liberals and like the. the well, the, I guess we're gonna find yeah. out in just a few seconds that like maybe this coffee house guy like just has a coffee house that just has kind of been taken over by the. That's B-Nicks. true. It may be a front. Um, because we definitely get some organized crime uh, in just a few moments. Yeah, he like he hates the interracial relationship or something, right? And then he, I, I don't remember the exact line that transpires, but the next thing, like I think Wolverine goes and like complains, maybe physically or something, and then he goes Moose and what was the other guy's name? Rocco. <laughs> Moose, Rocco, and then two large men, one of which is wearing a full suit, come out of a back room, need no additional direction. And the other was like, had like a captain's hat and a leather jacket on. Do you know who that was? Do you know who that was? That was Marlon Brando from On the Waterfront. Because as soon as it happened, I'm like, that is someone. Who is it? And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, oh, I write it. Like, to be honest, the art wasn't great, but it was enough that I'm like, oh, it's Marlon Brando. Oh, my God. I just love that. Like this coffee house just has goons in the back. I just love that. Like, I've never like anyone here go to a Starbucks and like, oh, careful. They might call their, their big, big, burly men out of the back if there's any trouble. Yeah, and so during the trouble, uh, Charles Xavier escapes uh, his his mutant um, watchers. Um, So they split up to try and find him. Storm passes like an open window where couples just like making out, like and it's it's also a couple that was just in the coffee shop. Oh, was it? So they left to like go go get something, something. Oh, oh, I'm oh, I'm so scared. Oh, don't worry, baby. Let me calm you down. This is one of those for sure. (laughs) kind of things 
And they're kissing on the sofa, but they're using any word but the word kissing. They're yeah. like, we're snogging. They're necking. We're... Necking, yeah. yeah. So Storm thinks she's found Professor X, but it's really Nimrod who shape changed to look like him. Boo hiss. We have our first everybody versus Nimrod fight. Um, and then Wolverine belabored like while he's being electrocuted says no tin can man is going to get the best of me. And um, did you notice that Storm destroys him uh, by saying crack the heavens, remove this abomination. And Nimrod is temporarily destroyed destroyed but bishop and wolverine shake hands <laughs> like like they like they did it but they didn't storm definitely did it oh, oh there is no storm in team no there is <laughs> uh meanwhile shard finds fitzroy and bantam bantam immediately surrenders but fitzroy throws him through one of his diamond shaped portals and he yells i hate this yeah don't worry, Bantam, we hate you too. It's <laughs> the worst character. Well, I had no idea, like, he's just like an annoying yellow-green guy yeah. throughout these two episodes. Nowhere do they explain, like, why Bantam is there. I had to look it up. Apparently he's got, like, some mutant power where he can, like, anchor himself in time or something like that. So he's yeah, that like... Makes sense. So he's like Fitzroy's return ticket, like to make sure that we get Fitzroy back to the future or wherever he needs to go. Bantam needs to come along is apparently it. Never explained. Ah. He's just this guy. (laughs) This is little little round guy. And uh, oh, well, there you go. Good for you, Bantam. Yeah, because you're I assume that I missed something. I didn't realize these characters were being maybe introduced in this episode yeah but they're like yeah um it seems like they have a whole relationship which is like fitzroy does stuff and bantam is like very tired of it but seems to have like no no income of his own (laughs) (laughs) goes along it's definitely like an indentured servant situation oh man so Nimrod pulls himself back together and flies away, uh, I guess, for more repairs, question mark. It's really just because it's the end of the episode. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we see that we've looped back to the beginning. The lost Charles Xavier is inside the building. He sets off the bomb. Everything goes into gratuitously slow motion. Oh, that. Oh, man. I was so excited. I was like, the Quaaludes are kicking in. It was crazy. <laughs> And we get that big artificial deep no <laughs> from Bishop. That was great. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know what I love, too? Uh, I, I, yeah, because then we see everything again. We see the explosion again. I loved the dramatic tension, the explosion, the fade to white, the to be continued, followed immediately by the giggling of the Saban Entertainment bumper. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the, the kids giggling the sound effect that's like over that. I was like, Chef's kiss. Just, yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot because I usually like stop. I just play a click next episode by that point, and I just forgot that that is part of the end yeah. of the uh, episode. Yeah, I had the exact same experience. I didn't. You're right. It really, it really like shook. I was like, oh, weird children. All right, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, a man was blown up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
friends, this um, was an episode. And like, I also have to say, I know that the X-Men, the animated series gets a lot of flack starting this season, but I thought, honestly, I thought this was a jam packed episode. What other yeah. thoughts are they, or things did we not get to talk about that? Any observations or, or other things? I know we, we moved through that. Oh, Cause uh, we had to, there's just so yeah. much. I mean, I mean, just again, like, I know that it has to happen because we have 22 minutes in every one of these like episodes, but like just people coming around quick to the concept of time travel (laughs) and coming around quick. It's like, I don't want to be the leader. Okay. I guess I will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of like nested narration, which Sarah, you pointed out, right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like, you'll see a hologram of sometime in the future, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. And then there was a ton of clip show in this show. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just it like was- I'm like, oh, I've seen that episode. They reused that animation. Oh, and I want to point out that all right in this episode we saw we saw all three forms of time travel. So we saw one the fuchsia wave that is localized and starts at a particular point. Right. And then when that goes out, mm-hmm. it's not that um, everyone goes back in time. It's that like the wave changes the present to be what it would have been. Well, if, I mean, was that necessarily time travel or is that, or it, it just happened to be that Wolverine and storm in both timelines, just both coincidentally happened to be embracing. And so yeah. when, you know, so just when the time shift happened they just ha- they're just there just coincidence so it wasn't was necessarily anything was- yeah do you yeah. think it was like an improv game of freeze like they had to justify their position <laughs> so that they're just like we're in a post-apocalyptic world where we're married if i would i would have noted that because the, t- the next scene has got to be inspired by the pose but it's got to be a new scene so i'd be like no that's too close that's it's too more like a second beat this is, this is super <laughs> We're running the same characters. They're just in a different situation. I want to see new characters. I want to see something different here. Okay. Fair. Very fair. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. That, that, that's probably the thing of, of stuff that I would protest and then do is like, can you give improv notes, Michael? Uh, no. Okay. I will. <laughs> <laughs> so then form of time parable number two, right. Was mm-hmm. the, the one where it there. Okay. So like Bishop and what was her name? Shard? Shard? Shard. Shard. Thank you. Uh, they went into like a very, very large, like hair, kind of looked like a hair straightener. They went into like a really large hair straightener. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the time portal. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then by Dyson. Yes. And then, time portal yeah. by Dyson. And then um, uh, method number three is, um, oh my God, sorry, his, his name, um, the the narcissist with the LeFou. Fitzroy. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's it. <nice. laughs> um. So My true Fitzroy. identity, Fitzroy. Fitzroy. <laughs> um, and then Fitzroy, he can he can kill someone or like drain a significant amount of their energy, and then open up mm-hmm. a portal, which he can toss. Yeah. Uh, which he can toss. Oh my god, I literally Bantom. can't remember. Bantam, Bantam, through there. Yeah, yeah. correct, okay. correct. Three different times. Wow. And we'll see we'll see a little bit more in the next episode. But before we do, are there we usually give out awards at the end of Gene No? Who who wins the Oscar this round? Well, the Oscar. I think probably I think Storm, you know, uh, uh probably has like some of the more dramatic moments. Is, is my does. first thought, you know. Yeah. 
I think Wolverine too. Yeah. I mean, he kind of had that thing of like, I'm not doing it. And then Storm changed in his mind by appealing to his better nature. Mm. Oh my gosh. I, I'm going to give it to Bantam. One, <laughs> he has a line that goes, I hate this. Right? And like, portal, right? Two, I like deeply believe that if there were actors playing this, that like the one who played Antum, Bantam, he just seemed so much more authentic than everyone else. And it seemed like he was like a lighting grip supervisor who like got tossed into this. <laughs> why am i on camera we just we just need someone we just need someone to to flesh out the seed just uh, all right just grab someone okay get to hair and makeup all right get in you're in you're you're on camera now you gotta be a star kid yeah uh great uh who is who is mvp of this episode uh who like who like brought it who brought i i guess i mean best best fighting is probably like goes down to like bishop right and like yeah. shard i think yeah bishop and shard both they they planned mm-hmm. really well but to, to be honest i actually think that the mvp in this episode may not have been fighting i think it may have been succinct explanation mm. <laughs> <laughs> a special writer's award <laughs> yeah yeah right? thank, thank you for going outside the box on that one drew i never really think of it that way so i appreciate that <laughs> we have to have a telepath on the team <laughs> And last but not least, favorite lines. Michael, I know you have one. Whatever. <laughs> yep, I, I endorse that as well. Drew, any any favorite lines for you? Mine was, I hate this, but I already gave it to him last year. I feel really badly. So I think it might be the really self-righteous. I want to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, such good candidates. Oh, oh there was so much in this episode. Friends, this was so fun. Uh, thank you for being on Gene No. Before we, we leave our loyal listeners, uh, friends, if people want to find you on the interwebs and see what cool things you're up to, where could they do that? Michael, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, as always, if you're in the Hudson Valley, come check me out at Blind Tiger Improv. We do monthly shows. And actually, I think depending on when this show gets released, we'll be doing uh, bi-monthly shows. We'll be doing two shows a month, which is which is kind of cool. I'm looking forward to that. So blindtigerimprov.com. Check us out. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. But we're not on Twitter because screw that guy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Drew, if folks want to ch- check in with you, where could they do that? Uh, Drew Kunis on Instagram. Excellent. Very good. Um, you can find me at sarahmusic.com. You can follow the podcast at gene-no with four O's on Facebook or Instagram. And we'll be back next time with One Man's Worth Part 2. Gene, no! An X-Men The Animated Series podcast. 